In today's episode, we are continuing a conversation that we started all the way back in episode four. In episode four, I talked with an instructor of mine named Nikki Kenward. Nikki is a wonderful British gal who ended up going through a PTSD and trauma after a near-death experience, and through that, developed severe debilitating GI dysfunction. Her gut was never the same afterwards, but through that experience, she learned that craniosacral therapy could help her gut more than any diet or any doctor ever could. She now teaches her techniques to students around the world, and the guest that I'm interviewing today was one of my classmates. If you have not listened to episode four yet, that will be a great episode to check out either before listening to this episode or after. It will definitely bring some, just some more background to craniosacral therapy and how we're jumping from trauma and how talk therapy can be combined with craniosacral therapy for an even more effective treatment for both gut health as well as mental health. If you want to listen to that episode four, we will be putting a link in the show notes. So if you're in the episode right now, just scroll right down. You can click that link and get that episode started. In the meantime, a quick intro to our guest. Brenda Afterhar is a registered nurse, licensed clinical social worker, and is diplomat certified in craniosacral therapy. She got her introduction to craniosacral therapy when her son was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. I will leave the story to the episode, but what I will say is that Brenda is now a clinically licensed social worker, and she primarily uses a talk therapy called internal family systems. When I was at this seminar, Brenda ended up using her skill set in talking to our body and to the subconscious and helping guide people to talk to their own body through internal family systems and blended it with craniosacral therapy. I know so many people who have tried counseling, who have been recommended to try counseling or talk therapy for their gut. And I know a lot of people who have GI problems or gut problems and also feel that they have anxiety, depression, or other just traumatic, stressful things going on in their life. So I have received it and it is one of the most effective talk therapies I've ever found for people with gut health problems. It really helps connect the brain and the gut through natural means, not being talked at by your talk therapist, but actually help guide you to talk to your own body. I am so excited for you to hear this episode today and just learn something new, new and more ways that you can help your gut, your body, and your brain all at the same time. Are you guys ready? Let's jump in. Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. 
If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Thank you for listening to the Better Belly Podcast. Just a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make changes. Awesome, guys. So welcome to today's episode of the Better Belly Podcast. As you know, we have Brenda Aufterhar on the podcast. She has the really coolest last name. I believe it's German, correct, Brenda? Um, yes, but, as you guys know, she is from Seattle, Washington. No, not Seattle. I always say Seattle. Um, Spokane. Spokane, which is the opposite side of, of Washington, y'all. Um, she is a registered nurse, a licensed clinical social worker, and diplomat certified in craniosacral therapy. So if for those of you who are new to the craniosacral world, I'm a craniosacral therapist. I am technique certified. She is the next level up. So she knows her stuff. Um, and... You guys, as I already shared with you, Brenda knows some really cool things and is going to be helping us today understand a little bit more about how talk therapy and psychotherapy can combine beautifully with body work and especially craniosacral therapy. Brenda, welcome to the Better Belly Podcast. Thank you. I'm so delighted to be with you and your friends today. So Brenda, I know I already shared a little bit about you just now, but I would love for you to share in your own words, what do you do and who do you do it for? I love combining the body and integrating that into talk therapy. I love doing body work, the cranial work, and integrating the talk therapy into that. So to me, it's a whole package deal as we look at any part of the body, but especially today as we're talking about bellies and gut and the pelvis, the whole pelvic bowl. This is amazing. And Brenda, how I don't even know if I know this, like, I know where we met. And we met at a at a seminar where we were learning how to do craniosacral therapy specifically for the gut for the enteric nervous system. And it was called listening to the second brain, because our gut is I mean, it has as many neurons, they're finding either as many or potentially more neurons as our brain and our spinal cord, it is totally a brain. And in an evolutionary speak, it has existed before the brain, all animals, all mammals have have a digestive system, but not all of them have brains quite like humans. So the brain is super important to be able to listen to. But what I know that's where I met you. What led you to the belly? What led you to this work that where you're combining talk therapy and helping the gut through body work? Oh, my goodness. What led me? There's so many pieces. They're like stepping stones. And it started way back as a mom helping me try to find help for my cerebral palsy child and finding cranial and then wanting to understand it, taking courses to understand what he was getting. And that led me to cranial work. I started doing it. And then I noticed there were so many things that were coming up in therapy that I didn't know how to manage. I was working with talk therapists and sharing clients. And so that just kind of led me straight into getting my master's in social work, becoming a licensed clinical social worker, and working with these diagnoses, these labels we call depression and anxiety and, and trauma with post-traumatic stress disorder, and realizing the connection to the body, especially the belly, where we hold a lot of emotions. And every cell, I, I just learned and could, could palpate it as well. Every cell has a consciousness, has a, a sense about its holding of what that person's life consists of, 
how their thoughts impact those cells, and how everything they experience is impacted and remembered, programmed into, receives that memory of that experience. So for me, it's a whole package deal. And we often separate it. We think of it as separate in how we go to different therapists even. Um, But I see it as one and I integrate it with the clients I see. Okay. So you said so many good stuff there, Brenda. I've written down a few. Let's start with the fact, I want to make sure I understood this correctly because I don't think I knew this. You were a mom. Then you started with your journey as being a mom and you weren't an MSW at that point. So you weren't a social worker. And I was first a nurse, first a nurse, then a mom. And then I had this child labeled with this cerebral palsy trying to find help for him led me to cranial work. Okay. And for those of you all listening, you might be like, oh, my craniosacral therapist, I thought you had to be a massage therapist or PT. But nurses, we have, they have something called, just a side note, guys, if you're curious, they have something called a license to touch. They're allowed to touch you, which is important as they're like rolling you in your bed and stuff. And so even nurses, I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful way that, and so amazing that you already had this license, Brenda, that you could just seek out craniosacral therapy training. And then you even sought even more education which I I did not realize that how the nurse to MSW worked for you. I knew you had both. So you love to learn. You mm-hmm. you love to integrate. Uh, you are inspiration to me right now, Brenda. The other thing that I love that you said, and I think we should do, I want to kind of want to dig in more right now is uh, you said every cell has a conscious. It has a consciousness. And for our listeners, I know the first time I heard that, I was like, that's so woo-woo or like, like I'm a very grounded in earth kind of like sciencey type of person. But And Brenda, I'd be really interested to hear if you have a way you like to think of it. But for the, our listeners, if you hear Brenda say every cell is a consciousness, what I want you guys to be thinking about is first off that every cell is a complete unit in, a, in and of itself. It has a mitochondria, which is its energy conduction. It has a, it has a communication system, which is actually mainly the cell membrane. Um, where it's able to onboard things like nutrients, but also onboard uh, know what's going on in its environment. Is there a lot of cortisol in the body? Like, is it something going on that's good or bad? Because all of our cells need to agree with each other. If we're chasing a bear, like our whole body needs to agree. All of, of our functions are to be like running away from this bear right now. And if we're sad, all of our cells need to be like, why are we sad or what's going on? If we go through trauma of something scary or harmful that happens to us, um, then our, our whole body experiences that. And the cells they have, they have DNA, they have RNA. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so there is a very biological basis of realizing every cell needs to know what's going on in the body. It's meant to communicate. It's meant to learn. It's meant to store and respond. Um, and, and so when Brenda said, that or when you hear other people say every cell is a consciousness, they're not like, you know, that cell is its own person. But I mean, some people can argue that. So um, Brenda, is there anything like what I just said? Is there anything you would like to add on or ways that you think of it? Because mm-hmm. I think it can be a new idea. And even for me, it took a couple of years of like feeling comfortable with the idea. I really liked, Allison, the way you unpacked that because the consciousness is really the connection in the body. And the body is always being communicated with out to the, you know, the extremities and the core is receiving information from out there, not only through the nervous system, but through the blood supply and through the hormones, like all these intricate 
we can't even fathom all the different ways. So it's that level of connection and communication that informs and allows the body to feel the impact of things and to record the impact of things. So I didn't mean to take us to the edge of woo-woo, as you call it. No, 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 no. (laughs) You unpacked it so nicely, and I totally agree with the way you described that. Yes, yes. Um, Great to hear. That's very affirming. That's been a really interesting way. And I love what you said just now, consciousness is connection. Because I want to think for our listeners, if you're like, and, and we promise we'll bring this back to gut health, they're all connected. But like your neural connections, your ability to think and, and have memory and learn and speak, that's all neural connections. They're all so you know, what Brenda said, consciousness is connection. That's true. Like our whole body is connected. Our ability to think is because we have connections that creates consciousness. Um, and then same with the rest of our cells. There's this other consciousness that goes on. And and even for those of you who, who are interested, your our subconsciouses are about between 90, which is the low number, and 99.5 percent are, are thinking and that that includes our whole body so when we have experiences our subconscious is taking in data and it's affecting our gut whether our cerebral conscious brain says i want it to or not mm-hmm. um oh you look like you're about to say something brenda yeah well i was just remembering the phrase that we often hear people say they have a gut sense about something it's like they're receiving information they can't it doesn't come in through words necessarily but it's it's a sense and so our whole system through its connection is receiving information from the environment. And as we become aware of our gut and factor that in, uh, we can begin to trust our gut senses. Doesn't mean we necessarily know everything it's saying, but it's the beginning place of listening often. Interesting. So you said two things, which is one, the gut sense and people have this all the time, but it's so interesting because our gut senses can be everything from positive to negative. Like I trust this person and, and people, I mean, experts have taken decades to break down body language and, and micro expressions, these tiny muscular changes in the face and all these things that you're not like, Oh, the eyebrow lifted two centimeters. I trust them. They're being genuine. You know, like it's all this intuition and these communications. We have hormones and the way someone smells on a level we're not even aware of. We're not like, Oh, that BO. There's, just the sense of, of how they smell. It can cause attraction. It can cause repulsion. Um, there's all these, these micro amounts of data that we're receiving. And that can be on the inside of our bodies. Like something just doesn't feel right in my body. I don't feel well. Or something in my environment doesn't sound good. One thing that I think that might be worth digging into is that the fact that we can get distortion of, of that sense. And especially, especially if we've had trauma, illness, like things that are where we become hyper responsive to our environment, which is one of the reasons that people seek out counselors of um, one of my favorite things that I really like to think about. And while I'm not a counselor and counsel people in this is the uh, polyvagal theory and that you have these three highways, safe and social in the middle. Then at the top, you have the fight and flight, which is like this red, you know, either anger zone or, or just like lots of chaos. And then underneath all that, you have the freeze section, which is like, I'm just going to usually like associated with depression and lack of interest in things and just like shut down. Um, and for healthy people, your safe and social lane is huge, right? And, and it takes a lot to bump you up into fight and flight or bump you down into freeze. Um, but when you go through trauma, sometimes your fight and flight 
expands too big. And it's like on the highway, if you had five lanes, your fight and flight is three of them (laughs) or like three and a half. Right. Um, And so you got training as a social worker. Yeah. After craniosacral therapy, can you tell yeah. us about, are you familiar with polyvagal theory? Do you use it or think about it a lot? I use it all the time through the lens of IFS, which is, okay. stands for internal family systems therapy. And IFS was developed by Dr. Richard Schwartz in 1980s. And he's a family therapist that looked at and noticed in working with eating disorder clients that there is a system within them that has different responses. And that is tied to the polyvagal to some level. And he noticed that in trying to control different kinds of behaviors of eating or not eating, that there were parts inside a person that controlled what they did. And learning to have a relationship with those parts could change and put the person more in charge of their behavior and their awareness of their inner world. So simply broken down, it's like any of us, just any of us at any moment in the day could have two opposing views inside. Like I might have a part that wants to exercise and I have a part that doesn't want to exercise. Yes. (laughs) One of these parts is going to control my behavior. And so learning to listen to those different voices, different opinions, different thoughts, different emotions, and any part can have uh, a belief, can have an emotion, and can have a behavior, and can have a place in your history. So Richard Schwartz broke it down to three main parts. You have exiles, places in that are stuck in your past, young parts of you, and over those exiles are protectors or around those exiles, there's protectors. And those are skill sets maybe that we've developed to manage the anxiety. So those young parts never want to feel threatened again or hurt again. So they develop around them strategies. An example of one strategy could be to eat so that I never feel pain again or maybe not to eat, or maybe a caretaking part, like I'll take care of everyone else so that they don't hurt me, or I'll take care of everyone else so that I don't feel the pain. So there's the exile, the young parts that are stuck, the protectors around them. And then above and beyond that, there's a quality of self that's the real me that has qualities of calm and compassion and clarity. He came up with eight C's that describe when you're in self with a capital S, that place, when we let that place be in charge, when that place is the one that connects with, cares for, and speaks with all these other parts, it's like a really calm teacher in front of a very chaotic classroom calling the class to order, and there's trust in that leader. And we all have that leader ability deep inside of us. So that's the model. And I love this model because it helps deal with all kinds of issues with the gut, as you specialize in, and many other things, like even with mental health issues, such as depression, anxiety, and PTSD. So... For full disclosure, listeners, I had never heard of internal family systems or IFS before meeting Brenda. Her her knowledge of IFS and craniosacral is why I brought her on today. 
And after I met her at our seminar, which was in Portland, Oregon, I flew home and I bought some books on IFS and I started digging into it. And one of the things that I found that was so interesting in, in a book I was reading was the guy who developed this, one of his first experiences in developing... Actually, this might be a lie. I think it might have just been an example, not a first experience. Brenda might know more about this. But he gave an example of somebody he was working with who would get a headache every time... I think it was like every time he had... He like tried to do something or like every time he got anxious, he got this like massive headache and was out of the count for the rest of the day. And other than this, he was super healthy. And so, and the doctors couldn't find, figure out like, why is this guy getting headaches? We can't find anything going on with him. And so he's doing counseling with this guy and he ends up naming the headache as one of his family members, a protector of his. And what I remember when I read this, I remember thinking how interesting it was to realize that not only you mentioned, Brenda, you have skill sets like I'm going to be um, like uh, the ability to set emotions aside, perhaps, or to be strategic, go into kind of like productivity mode. Um, we have strategies, we have different things that we can do to say, okay, this is how I'm going to cope. And then we also have literally, he mentioned conditions like illnesses. And I realized, and I was thinking about that, I was like, holy cats, yes, when you have a headache, when you have a, you know, a bowel explosion, maybe not necessarily diarrhea, but like basically your gut just goes crazy. Like it keeps you from having to do whatever you're afraid of or whatever. Like that's your protector that says, we don't want to deal with this. We don't know how to deal with this. This is freaking us out. And so IFS suddenly becomes very interesting how, how broadly it can be applied, but even specifically to the gut, realizing there is a gut brain connection, but also cells individually have a consciousness. And maybe I'm not anxious necessarily. Me, self, is not anxious, but I have a protector who really cares about me. What do we do? Can can you actually tell us how you, or if you're reading a book, what would they say? How do we deal with protectors? So the the model of IFS, and I'll get to your question because it's a great question. <laughs> okay. um, the model essentially supports the idea that you can have a relationship with whatever you're noticing. And so how to deal with protectors is become curious. And wonder and even kind of sit with a question like, so maybe let's say you name, you can name a protector, whatever its function is. So, uh, keep me busy. I might have a keep me busy part. Um, I'm curious, busy part in me. What is it that you want for me? And learning to maybe we don't know the answer right away, but holding space to know that it has a function. And being curious around what, because it's all our parts have good intentions and things they want for us. So my busy part, let's see, what is it that it wants for me? Oh, it wants me not to feel because feeling is dangerous. So if it keeps me busy, I don't have to feel and it believes it's keeping me safe. So learning to dialogue with parts, and that, I think, was something that showed up in the class where we met and in the trio that we're working together, where I simply asked the question, does your gut know you're at a gut class, a belly class? And this may sound odd to some people because we don't think of dialoguing or communicating with our parts of our body or with our system. But if we think about how do we communicate with babies, you know, you'll watch a grown man or woman 
get down at a baby's level and coo or ask questions. The baby can't answer back, but we carry on a conversation with a baby as if it understands. And the same is true about our bodies. We can have a respectful, kind, gentle attitude towards our physical self and parts of our body like our belly. And that can change the dynamic. Uh, Okay. I'm going to recap some of what you said, Brenda. So first off, we have protectors and we can be curious about them. We don't have to like come in at them angry or like, why are you protecting me all the time in this really unuseful way? (laughs) Or at least maybe a really domineering way. And then they, of course, feel hurt and they can flare up and be like, I clearly need to protect you because you're way too emotional right now. And then you'll go and get be busy. Right. So you're just like constantly shutting down each other. I feel like that's what I always did. Right. Um, growing up. And I feel like even in, um, a lot of other traditional talk therapies that ends up kind of being the story where we, we ram at something and, and we end up shutting down and it's just really painful over and over again. But I love with IFS, like you be curious, be open, be mm-hmm. like, what, do you, what would you want to protect me from? This guy who has a headache. He, I think he talked with his headache, like headache. What are mm-hmm. you trying to protect me from? And whatever it was, he, he had no awareness of it. And so he went through a process when you're, when you are IFS certified, you go through a process with the person, your facilitator, you like if, Brenda, if you were, you know, the facilitator for someone or and you are when you are you don't have the answers. <laughs> you don't, yeah. you don't know what headache's going to say. You don't know what belly's going to say. All you do is you help them f- ask questions. You're also, a, I don't know if you would use this word. I don't know if this is an IFS word, but you're a witness. Like you hear what yeah. that person says. Yeah. And so that's another huge thing. When If you get someone who does IFS, if you're a listener and you're listening to this and you're like, I'm so intrigued, like none of my health problems have been solved by traditional functional medicine or conventional care, like, or even counseling, traditional counseling, which I've done dialectical behavior therapy. I've done all sorts of stuff. And they were like, sort of helpful, some less, some more. Mm-hmm. And I, IFS, I actually saw Brenda and we're about to get it to talk with her about like how she paired it with craniosacral therapy. And body work. But when I saw her do it, as we were practicing in this seminar, I mean, it just clicked. I was like, this is so gentle. It's so honoring to all the parts of our body, um, to all the painful parts. And then also it's so creative. (laughs) It feels so safe because I'm like being creative. I'm I'm coming in like, oh, maybe my like belly pain. Tell me what you want to tell me. Um, It's relational, Allison. It's relational, right? In the gentlest of ways, it's with respect and kindness towards a part, assuming it has the best intention. So I like the word you used, witness, because that is the first step in the flow of the IFS model is witnessing a part, being curious with a part, and simply wanting to know its experience and how it views the world from its perspective. And so when that is the way you look at a part of the body or a part or function or a skill set that you have, then you become curious about its history, where it started and what it's doing for you, what it believes it's doing for you. Traditional talk therapy comes from the, like, if I change my thoughts, I can change my behavior, which is somewhat true, but it doesn't come at it from this relational, gentle perspective that I love that IFS does to work with to team with, 
to explore. Another thing that I find fascinating about IFS, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I recall that if you understand IFS, you can do it on your own, like journaling, basically. You can be asking these questions to yourself. As long as you kind of understand, you don't want to get stuck and end up asking unhelpful questions or maybe basically questions that would make things worse. But like, you don't, because the answers are inside yourself, like it could be a therapeutic, meditative journaling experience, correct? Absolutely. It can be done on your own or with a facilitator, a coach. There's a lot of IFS coaches that aren't therapists. And then there are IFS people that are therapists. And by that, guys, she's saying uh, therapists who are licensed. So they have an MSW, they have some type of license where they are able to be counselors in a professional setting, but then coaches. So if you're a human and you either, I know there's a couple in my city um, and you're like, oh, IFS is amazing. I'm so interested in it. I want to help others through it. You can still get IFS training and you're, you're considered a coach rather than a counselor. Right. So, which kind of reminds me again of craniosacral therapy, how craniosacral therapy, while it was developed by a DO, which is a very expensive degree, very important, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like it's an MD DO, like takes a long time to get the guy who developed it that we, that we follow in his ways, John Upledger, he also wanted the lay person to be able to do it. You know, he Mm -hmm. wanted, um, Anybody who had a license to touch can do it professionally. But then he also taught, you know, the parents of children how to do it on on their children or family members, loved ones, caregivers, how to do it. Another thing that's interesting, and, and I don't know if you've thought about this, Brenda, but craniosacral therapy also uses the term witness in there. And I've never thought about this. So um, for those who are listening, when we do craniosacral therapy, it's a light touch therapy and we do evaluations and then we have a the healing like treatment part, right? So As we are identifying where we need to work and where the body wants us to work, we're evaluating on several levels. And it's a little different than PT where it's like, oh, this joint doesn't move. No, we're really, we are feeling for fascial tension. We're also feeling sometimes for uh, heat things in the body that are saying this area doesn't have good blood flow. It's not working well. We can use our intuition. But when we're evaluating and when we're treating, we're also witnessing because we don't heal the body. And craniosacral therapy is not like, oh, I did that. What we do is we put the body in a position where it's able to be healed. That's by helping the nervous system drop. So we're not in as high in flight and flight um, by helping fascia to be in a loosened state so that it can reorganize itself and be more flexible and have better circulation and not be causing restrictions. Um, And we, but we talk about we're, we're merely a witness. Mm -hmm. We, and, and I love, I've never, notice that there is that connection with IFS, um, where it's so much more observant and so gentle and really takes away this, um, or actually gives agency to the person who's healing, which I don't think happens a lot in healthcare. There's not a lot of agency. Take this pill or just stop eating that. It's very, I'm, I'm imagining like a dictatorship, you know, just like no agency, just do this thing. Yeah. And I like your word of agency because it really puts the client in charge. IFS does the same thing. It's like helping each person develop a relationship with that part to learn about that part. You mentioned witnessing being the same in IFS as in cranial. The other common piece that I've seen over and over again is the unburdening. IFS calls it unburdening. Cranial calls it release. So there's usually a in cranial a heat or a pulsing or something the tissues release. In IFS, we call it unburdening, where there's a letting go 
of something that had to be held on to from a past experience. And that can show up in many different ways. It can be emotional or it can be um, beliefs like um, I have to take care of myself and letting go of I can take help in and bringing that a new thought or belief in. So the unburdening and release is the same. And then inviting in positive qualities. Uh, IFS does the next step. And cranial does that as well, though we don't name that as clearly. Where there's an openness that comes in, the breath changes, there's something new that comes in and how the body moves in the deep places. The main two things that I think I borrow from IFS that apply to cranial is the ability to imagine the tissues like can talk and have connection to many parts in the body and allowing those voices to be heard by the person. The second one is updating. And I love this piece because it sounds so far out, but when you, when it's spot on, you can see and feel the difference. Does a part of you know, does this belly know it's in a belly class or does this part in maybe I was working the other day with a lady and in her gut and there was tightness in there and she had been able to identify that the tightness was connected to a very scared place in her past. And so my gentle question was, does that little one know that she grew up to be you and that you're here to help her now? And the shock of that question, like, no, she doesn't know that. Like that helped this person develop a different relationship with that tightness and that tightness no longer had to be held in her belly because of that update, that new connection. And that is like amazing to experience. That is so cool. I know you have amazing stories, Brenda, and I want to kind of back up because the funny thing is, is you guys, you might be fi- being like, this is so interesting. This like thing Brenda's talking about, like this woman had this tight feeling in her belly, which honestly, I have so many people come to me with tight feelings in their belly and they want their viscera pulverized and they're like, just like dig it out of me, you know? Um, and sometimes, yeah, the psoas might be tight. It's a muscle. Like there could be like totally structural things going on. Um, at the same time, sometimes there could be this kind of psychosomatic, which is not to say it's not real. It's just to say it, the body and the psyche are are reverberating into each other and who knows who started it but it's it's in the psychosomatic realm and now it's actually manifesting as anatomical and structural um and so that's also a possibility so this woman comes in with a tight belly a feeling in her belly and it's there all the time she works through some different emotional things that i'm sure you guys were aware that there was a tight feeling in the belly but i imagine if i know anything about the the work you do you don't just go there you're not just like no you do you you wait for it to say i i invite you in i'm okay with talking and you actually ask for consent basically yes yes by your i think the protectors the protectors have to be allow you in yes i mean it it's a Amazing. I know enough to be enthralled and like maybe not enough to be dangerous. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if we consider it, how do you develop a relationship? Like when you walk into a room full of people, one of the first ways we make a relationship is to have eye contact. And so it starts gentle and it starts um, more subtle. 
And the same with the body, with the gut. It's like you don't go in for a deep conversation about historical things. You, you start on the small talk, right? And the same with our body. It's that gentleness of respect in forming a relationship first with awareness. And we can go from an awareness of like a lawyer drilling with questions, which is very invasive. Or we can go from a, I'm curious, I see you across the park, I'm wondering who you are, that kind of, help me know who you are, that kind of approach that starts a really trusting relationship with the body. You know, I just had this totally unexpected thought, not totally, I've I've thought this thought before, um, but this reminds me of how, what we need when we're talking about racial reconciliation that when we are working with groups that are like, I'm trying to be reconciled racially, maybe you're a white person and you're trying to come into a scenario where you are the least common race, but you're going in as a learner, or maybe you have a friend and I'm, I'm, I'm white. So I'm, I think about from the white perspective, probably the most. Um, but we are majority and we're like trying to figure things out. We're like, Oh my gosh, all this race stuff's going on. And how can I be so blind? And I don't know what to do next. And we try to ask questions. And sometimes we just ask like too invasive of questions. Like, what's it like to be black? You're like, well, what if, you know, what if you just asked me what my favorite color is first? Or like, you know, what my favorite class in high school was? Or what do I like most about my job? Like we want to develop relationship. And so even though you know your goal might be, hey, we really do want to get to what's at the root of whatever is going on with this person. You start with relationship. You start with connection. You start with like those gentle, curious questions of like, who is this person? Or who is this um, part, you know, in IFS language? That was just like a really interesting side thought because um, for any of our listeners, I know, like, honestly, even if you're white, you can have racial trauma. And so racial trauma, that can also be a part of why we have health issues. And like, as yeah. I want to I want to create oh, I just wanted to create space for that um, for our listeners and, and anyone who's even in that area of like, what do I do, you know, with wanting, how can I be a, a positive force and an ally in a situation? And I actually think it's kind of what Brenda was saying, like, be it, be a curious, be gentle, like come uh-huh. in, <laughs> be a, be neighborly. And, and it, Allison, it ties into our body, our gut that experiences everything we go through in life can have trauma from uh, cultural trauma from family legacy burdens that are passed down and from our life experiences that we go through. And so when I shared that little story just a little minute ago, that was after much relationship had been built, after time had passed and there was trust and asking those questions and being with that place and those awarenesses coming up. So it's the same with our body. So good. So guys, I want to give you a little background. Now that you've heard more about IFS, you know, it's a talk therapy that's clearly very gentle. It's relationship connected. It thinks very differently. Lots of agency on the side of the person who's receiving the therapy. Uh, You know a little bit about craniosacral therapy. If you don't, you can listen to uh, episode five on this podcast uh, called the two 
two treatments for IBS you probably have never heard of, which I talk about craniosacral therapy and visceral manipulation. So we're not going to dive into that as much today, guys. If you're like, what is this thing? Check out that episode. There'll be a link in the show notes. But now you've heard about these two therapies. And I want to describe to you my first experience of watching Brenda pair them together and blowing my mind. Um, so we were in the seminar and uh, part of the seminar is practicing what we're learning. And so we're learning about listening to the gut and using craniosacral therapy to become a aware of the enteric nervous system and all the different layers of the of the gut and in the intestinal lining. And I was paired up with Brenda and another woman who has agreed to be on the podcast. I will hold her name out for now, uh, but she's agreed to be on the podcast. We can get her her thoughts on this. Um, hopefully she'll be in like a few episodes after this one releases. And we're in and Brenda and this other woman, they're friends. They know each other really well. And I'm just thinking like, Oh my gosh, I'm just going to watch these two be amazing. And I'm assisting and Brenda's leading. So basically in craniosacral therapy, you can do something called multi hands where one person is, is being treated or evaluated and treated. And then there's two or more people who are evaluating and treating, and they all have to communicate with each other. So I was submitted to Brenda, ultimately, and it's beautiful when you do multi-hands um, because... First off, Brenda could be like, hey, what are you sensing? Or I can be like, hey, I'm sensing changes. And she's like, oh, me too. So you can get a lot of affirmation. You can save so much energy, just a side note, because the burden's not all on you. And sometimes if you're out of ideas, the other person's got an idea. But Brenda's leading this thing and we get drawn into, we're all very open about like we, most of the people who are at this conference, we all have belly issues. We all have gut issues. I there and had gut issues. We drew faces about our gut feels. If you're interested in more of this, I also have an episode with the instructor of this course, Nikki Kenward. That's episode four, if I'm correct. The link will be in the show notes. But I also had her on. I mean, this was a life changing seminar. And so Brenda is doing her thing with all the all the things we just learned in this course. And then she starts talking to these organs and like to our friend's belly. And so she's asking these questions. And I was like, this was not in the course. I don't know what she's doing. <laughs> and she she's asking these beautiful questions. Um, and the last question that really hit it for a friend, the one she she's already mentioned it twice, um, is the the belly had started opening up to us and like talking about how. I don't remember if you remember more details, Brenda, it'd be interesting to hear your remembrance of it. And maybe our other guest could, will remember more. Um, but your, your clencher question was just like this, like you had this hmm, face look on you and you go, belly, do you know you're in a belly seminar? Because what happened and what you knew, what I, I would have never thought of that question, what you knew is that uh, I think it's exiles. They get stuck in the past and they don't get these updates they're still afraid. They're still all this stuff. And you ask this really curious question. And our friend on the table just starts laughing and crying from the relief. It was the release, but just the relief of like, I'm not stuck in the past. And the humor of the fact that like, she's been literally trying to eat the right things and do all these things that are per she's, I mean, her job is she's a helps with do colonoscopies. Like she, she is like in the gut, literally, she's literally in the gut guys every day, um, trying to get her gut better. And she gets asked this one question, realize her guts like hanging out in, I don't know, 1990, 90, I don't know, some other decade and laughs, releases, feels comfort. Like her belly feels probably 
it'll be interesting to hear her own words. But I think like honor of like, wow, you love me so much. And even that that woman you shared about just now, like, does that little girl know the woman you've become now? Like, wow, myself loves me so much that it like strove to be this person who takes care of me. And then there's just this, as you say, relationship joining together. There's no longer estranged. I mean, she felt totally different about her belly after that moment. And at the end of the seminar, she's like, I'm a different person. I'm actually really curious how her health's been since then. But Brenda, do you remember anything else from that from that moment or anything you else want to add before we move on? Yes, I think there's uh, you you remember it very well. And the one piece I want to underline is that sometimes as a therapist, it is appropriate to ask direct questions to the body or to the part that's showing up or that the, the, the client has given consent that that's why they're there for therapy. But ultimately, ultimately, the goal is to have the client have a relationship with that part. We have no recording from that day. I can't remember my exact words, but I wonder if I said to her, can you ask the belly? If it knows you're at a belt. So having the person ask that part, mm. I could have done that or I could have asked the question directly. I, I don't think recall. You, I, think, I, did. I think you'd actually said, will you ask her? You were acting very much as like a third, third person there. So most of the time it was, can you update this? That you did a lot of updating and can you ask the belly? Um, so you, you're right. And, and to me, and I'd say, guys, I'm a fledgling IFS nerd. Um, I've not taken the course, but I love what it does. And I've definitely know some of the questions and even use it on myself, but I could be so much better. So yes, Brenda, you're right. Um, you were, you were being a little bit more polite, not as direct. Yeah. And, and sometimes there is a place for directness. Um, and there's reason for that. I won't get into, but the goal of IFS is to help the person develop a relationship with the part or the parts or the part of their body that they're um, listening to or aware of at that time. Guys, so I hope you catch some, we, we talked about a lot just now. I mean, it was a, I mean, amazing. I can't believe 50 minutes flew by. Um, and, and we're not quite done yet, but what I want you guys to be listening to is, is you're like, piece this together for me, Allison. Like, what are all the connections? Like, first off, like, counseling, incredibly important. Psychotherapy, especially for the gut and the brain gut access, really important. Specific kinds of therapy can be more efficacious. They're going to have a greater effect, um, maybe because of the type of trauma or the type of experiences or the, the person who's receiving it. Um, and, and if you've never tried IFS, I really wanted y'all to, to hear this from Brenda and realize there's other therapies out there and they're beautiful and they're gentle. And if you've been really craving something and feel like everything feels so invasive, like surgery, pharmaceuticals, maybe chiropractic, like they're just like all harsh. Like there's a lot of, there's these options. Um, if you're in Spokane, I guess you can see Brenda herself or our guest who will be coming on. Uh, Brenda's been mentoring her and training her, um, and how to pair these two, but, just realizing like there, there's a lot more going on. Relationship with the gut is really key. Um, realizing some of our sicknesses can come from parts that are trying to protect us. So beautiful. Way better than like, oh, that's just a problem you have. Get, stop doing mm-hmm. that. They can also go to IFS Institute. Okay. On, on the web and look for a practitioner in their area. Okay, we'll get a link in the show notes to IFS, look for a practitioner, because the same it's the same with craniosacral therapy. You right. can find a practitioner using their database. So we will get a link in the show notes for both of those. 
guys, um, both craniosacral and IFS. The likelihood that you'll find someone who does both in the way Brenda does is lower because Brenda is pioneering. She's a boss and you guys should feel so honored to have her on this podcast and to hear her. She, I feel honored that she came on. Um, Brenda, I am curious. I love asking this question to all my guests. If you could have everyone know one thing about the belly or the gut, what would it be? The one thing, um, because I come from an IFS model and a cranial model and put them together, the one thing I would want everyone to know and to try, not just try, but to do it repeatedly is to develop a relationship with their gut by gently at the end of every day and maybe at the beginning of every day, taking their hand and intentionally imagining what it would be like to fill their hand with uh, compassion, with calm, with just a drop of curiosity, maybe like a special recipe here in the hand and place it on their belly, wherever they choose to put it on their belly and have practice that there's not perfection here. We're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming just for practicing to have a relationship with the belly in that way. The other hand could be placed behind their head or on their forehead or on the heart and just having a link up to, okay, from my heart to my belly or from my brain to my belly. I just want to be, I don't maybe know exactly what I'm holding. I'm not necessarily aware of everything, but I want to set the intention, the wish to be with what is. And if you do that on a regular basis, even for a minute, maybe two or more, the belly will learn how to calm, relax, and will start having more trust in you that you are going to take time with it, that it's not just something you dump food into, um, that it's not something you just complain about because it's getting big or it's hurting you. And if there's pain in the belly, I would encourage you to hear that pain. Imagine it as the belly talking. Maybe you don't know what it's saying. It's like being in a foreign country and watching two people from afar and overhearing them talking in a foreign language. Like you may not understand the words of this achy sensation, but you can be present for it in a, a gentle way. And even in a foreign language, when you watch this interchange, you can get an emotional tone and you can be calm and present with that ache if you have one thanking it for talking to you, letting it know that you're trying to understand it and you'll keep every morning or every night or both, keep connecting to it. That, Allison, is what I wish everyone would consider trying every day. Wow. I wish I had that as like a separate recording to do. I find that sometimes like focusing and meditating is really hard. That was so soothing. As a Brenda can attest, I was, she was talking and I, I just like closed my eyes and like, I'm there, Brenda. <laughs> I'm feeling my heart. I chose heart, heart and belly. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, so interesting. So gosh, I mean, I never, ever heard anything like that when I went through my gut health, the worst of my gut health years. 
Um, But you also sounded, reminded me so much of Nikki Kenward. She was the one who developed craniosacral therapy, listening to the second brain. Um, Episode four, guys, or the episode it is that I put in the link in the show notes, Nikki Kenward, where she also talks about her experience going through PTSD of almost dying. And then not being able to connect to her gut. And this, the, I don't know if you remember this, but she actually has YouTube videos. I honestly, I'm going to include the YouTube video too, um, where she does a really similar meditation where she puts oh. her hand on her belly and I think her chest. And she just oh. like leads you through a meditation of like focusing and connecting with your body and just accepting yeah. like where it's at and kind of monitoring. Um, she was also had that experience of feeling like she just got like disconnected from her gut, just like a tether cut. Um, And she had, she has had so many people since, and she practices in London where she, for example, had, um, and this is on the podcast episode we recorded a girl come in who was on a feeding tube, literally was, was so, so much could not eat that she had to be get food through a feeding tube and basically was just losing weight and dying because it just still wasn't enough. And she worked with her, I think over six months or something. It was, it wasn't necessarily quick. She was out of the wheelchair, which she was in. She was off the feeding tube, but she was eating pretty normally and it slowly <laughs> expanding with the number of food she could eat. Um, and it wasn't a, let's do a surgery and connect two nerves that got t- disconnected. It was something that went on deeper inside of her on a, um, she didn't get into what exactly she, thinks, you know, whether it was psychosomatic or structural, because craniosacral therapy does work on a structural level. But um, just crazy. I love that you said that. I'm like, deja vu. I had no idea Nikki had done that. Yes. So I just take the principles of IFS, that relational being with, with curiosity, gentleness, that, that quality and being with the gut and helping it connect with other parts by putting your hands other places. And doing it gently, consistently. Yes. I teach my clients to do that. And it's phenomenal. Brenda, I wish we could have you for another hour. No joke. I'm sure you have the most amazing stories. And I actually have a lot more questions for you. Like, how's your son doing with cerebral palsy? Can you answer that? Oh, he's amazing. He has a full-time job. He's married. He's like all the things that they told us, the medical people told us he would not be able to do. He does. He's an adult, 30 years old. Oh my gosh. I th- I'm, I was pretty sure that was going to be a happy story to hear there. Just incredible. Well, Brenda, I'm sure somebody will want to connect with you. I'm pretty sure you work with people virtually, correct? I do. I do. And um, it, while my schedule is very, very full, I'm open <laughs> to communicate with people and help them find the best fit for them, even sure. if it's not me. And I can be contacted through inwardlistening.com. All right. That's my website and people can contact me there and see the resources available there. All right. We will have that in the show notes for y'all and you can connect with Brenda there. Well, Brenda, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been wonderful to have you. I seriously do covet more time with you, but you have given us so much information, so many food for thoughts, like next steps people can try a nice meditation. And honestly, if this information in this session talking about IFS really intrigued you, there's books. I bought a few 
And yeah. while it's slower to take in the information or it's not as immediate, I mean, it's, it's concrete and crystallized. And mm-hmm. I think they're quite wonderful. Absolutely. And there's some excellent books and you can check that out. There's one I really refer to. It's like a workbook and it can walk you through the steps. It's on my website under resources. Okay. A really good reason to go visit your website. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming and being on the show today, Brenda. Thank you, Allison. Was that amazing or what? I hope that you are able to walk away with so many nuggets. I wish that there were just Brenda's all over the world, um, but she is doing an amazing work of helping teach other people. And even myself being exposed to what she's doing is giving me the opportunity to continue to practice those things. And if you do want to reach out to Brenda, she is available and would be a wonderful internal family systems therapist for anyone. Well, if you love this episode, as always, we have even more coming on down the line and we have lots in the past right now. So subscribe so you get all our new episodes, scroll and check out our old episodes. We go through lots of different topics on gut health, everything from supplements to lifestyle to our our mental and emotional impact and, and how we can be healthy all around and how that affects our gut. If you thought of anybody during this episode and you're like, ah, that one friend who would really benefit or really find this work fascinating, I would encourage you take a screenshot and share it with that friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health therapist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend you thought of a love note to their gut or maybe to their uh, psychotherapist or internal family systems and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Other ways that you can support this podcast is by leaving us a rating and review in your podcast provider. Um, Ratings and reviews helps other people know that this podcast is helpful and has good information and it helps it pop up so that they can find it too. Other ways that you can stay in the conversation is by following us on Instagram at Better Belly Therapies. I love connecting with our listeners. And if you have any questions or you want somebody to walk with you on this journey of your health, please drop by, say hello, tell us what's going on. We do check our little special, you know, the hidden requests area (laughs) for direct messages. And we um, would love to talk with you. So as always, we want to leave you off with our little adage on health that miracles are immediate. We always want one podcast or one book to solve all our problems. And, and that happens sometimes, but more often healing, true healing takes time. <laughs>